bum, bum, bum. Video vampires with Jessica and Mickey. What up? Sorry, it's been a while. You know, we we were on a good schedule, and then I kind of threw it off with some personal shit. But uh, you know. Yeah, you know, it happens. It's it's one of those parts of life that you just have to take some time and deal with appropriately. So I, yeah. I would say this episode goes out to Miles. Yeah. Um, but uh. Sorry, my my new kitten is attacking my headset. Oh my god! I wish literally the moment I hit record. The moment I hit record, he started like going ape shit, like as if because uh, he knew I wasn't paying attention to him. Um, but uh, yeah, so I haven't watched too much. I we were Which talking. Is great. I feel like when we start getting talking, you realize how much you've actually watched instead. Because I thought I hadn't watched a lot, and then I was like, wait, I've been unemployed for a number of months. Like I actually really did watch a whole lot of shit. Right. Um, but you know, cause this is like one of the things I started watching. I've, I never saw the Sopranos, never when it was on, never decided to watch it. And I just started watching it. Right. So I'm like deep in the Sopranos right now. I'm in season three. So don't ruin anything for me, people. I kind of know already, like I base it. It's funny. Cause I don't know how it ends, but I know everyone's still very upset about it. Ah, fuck that. Um, and they feel very cheated about it, but I do know, um, some of the stuff that has happened, but it's still like a big giant mystery, but it's interesting because Sopranos is a mm. lot funnier than I imagined it to be. Yeah, yeah. It's a comedy. Um, it is. It's like a very dark comedy, which mm-hmm. um, I didn't expect. And I don't think I realized when I heard people talking about it at all. And so I was like pleasantly surprised. Um, but watching it has also made me like way more aggressive, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been going through a lot of HBO stuff. I mean, I don't know if you saw Love and Death. We might have talked about it, but no, it's like the HBO version of the candy story. You know, Hulu had a version with Jessica Biel as well. And so I watched both of them and I I don't really know which one I like better. I, oh, I don't what story. Um, What's her name? Candy Montgomery. She like murdered her neighbor, Ooh. her neighbor's wife that she was like having an affair with. Oh, 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 the one with Elizabeth Olsen. And, uh, yeah, which yeah. was like really good. Jesse Plemons. Plemons um, yeah. It was really good. I mean, that's the thing is like, I don't know why it was made. Maybe they just both got the rights at the same time and they were like pushing it. Jessica Biel was great, honestly, in the first one. And she kind of looked more like the character. Yeah. But this one was also really good. It just seemed like I was kind of watching the same thing over again while I had like certain minute differences. But, you know. Right. And then um, I also watched White House Plumbers, which was way funnier than I thought Uh, it was going to be. Yeah. Justin Theroux is great. Uh, Woody Harrelson is great in it. Um, it's it is really funny. I don't think I wanted to watch like a political comedy, but it was it was quite enjoy- enjoyable. And I was then, interested in that one just because I just listened to while I was at the gym. I was listening to an audio book um, that I almost bought the the actual paperback. But it was called Leatherface versus Tricky Dick, uh-huh. and it was a somebody was basically saying like how Texas Chainsaw Massacre whether consciously or subconsciously was like heavily influenced by the Watergate trial and like was showing parallels of like this happening oh, in the movie funny. to like this happening in, in like the during Watergate and everything like that. And so, and that's when I first, you know, and I, and then almost like right after I was listening to it was when the, the white house plumbers, I saw the billboards and I was like, God, that's fucking serendipitous. But that's really funny. No, you should watch it. It is, it is like pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. And then we had the end of Succession, which was, like, really sad. It was, like, such a good episode. I felt like it. But, you know, you have people complaining about every little thing, I, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know how else you could have ended that show. I mean, it was perfect. Like, it couldn't it was, have been any of them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, mean, I wanted it to be uh, certain people, but it just wasn't going to be. And mm-hmm. I love the characters. I, I, I miss them. You know, I think about how ridiculous they are. But speaking of uh, Sarah Snook, who is in, you know, Succession, I mm-hmm. also decided to watch Soulmates, which is like a TV show came out a few years ago. It's like a Black Mirror-esque storyline, but they, all the episodes face like a certain thing that has happened in the universe, which is like science has found a way to uh find your soulmate so soulmates are a real thing and everyone's connected by another person and Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like how uh it destroys current relationships how it might um add to current relationships like what it does to this like the scientific experiment and so she's in an episode and i think that's why i watched it she's like 
on the front cover of it. But mm -hmm. I was pleasantly, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, you know, it's, it's romance or horror or comedy or, you know, whichever you decide. Um, sure. But I, I actually enjoyed it. And some of the um, same actors are also in Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. And that um, actually Rob Savage, who directed a few episodes of Soulmate, also directed this movie, The Boogeyman, which I did see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, it's an older Stephen King um, story, you know, what, from the 80s, maybe? I yeah, Skeleton remember. Crew, I believe. Or no, no, it's, it's actually a Night Shift. It's one of his first uh, well, yeah. it's, it's short his first short story collection. Yeah, um, it's it's very I would say it's very simple, but like it. I actually really enjoyed it. Yeah. It's one of those, it doesn't like break the mold. It isn't trying to be something it's not. It's like a typical scary horror movie. And I really enjoyed it. Sometimes mm -hmm. you just like need, you don't need to like. Reinvent the wheel. Yeah, exactly. It's scary. It, it was great. Everyone in it was like believable. I had a fun time seeing it in the theater. You know, it was like probably yeah. a good, you know, simple movie that you want to watch with pals and, you know, eat popcorn and turn out the lights. Like super, I, 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 I skipped see any it problem with it. mostly because I know, like no, and, and I, I've heard nothing but good things. It's just that like, and I will probably get around to watching it. Just, I really love that short story. And I remember reading, you know, like I reread it a few times in the past, like two years, just cause it's like, it's i mean it's dark like it's it's pretty fucked up and like i was just like how are you going to adapt this into a movie and i heard that they you know they i i hope it's not a spoiler but like they were like yeah the short story is the first like five ten minutes of the movie and then the rest of it goes from there and i was like well that's kind of interesting but um i just of all of Stephen king short stories that one really kind of sticks with me you know a lot and um I was just it's it was kind of like precious and I was like, Oh, I don't know if I wanna see something that's gonna like you know, also because Stephen King short stories don't no don't often get like a good adaptation. I mean like children of yeah, the corn especially from him himself. <laughs> yeah, right. I love and I here's things like I love Children of the Corn the movie, but mostly because it had such an effect on me as a kid as an adaptation. I'm I'm not exactly like over the moon about it. Um The Lawnmower Man isn't even an adaptation of the story, the lawnmower man, it's a completely different story. And they just slapped the title. And that's why really? he sued them. Yeah. Cause they were like Stephen King's lawnmower man. He's like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? <laughs> Creep show actually did get away with like adapting some of his short stories really well. And I, I, I will hold to that, but you know, it's just a mixed bag with his, his short stories. I know I have, there was that TV show with Adrian Brody that you really enjoyed, if I'm not mistaken, or did you yeah. even watch it? Wait, with Adrian Brody? Yeah, it was. I think it was like a star show, actually. It was an adaptation of the short story Jerusalem's Lot, but it was called Chapelthwaite, I think. I can't remember. Mm, um, I but it, it got good reviews. Um, well, it, it was kind of reminiscent of, um, what was it, The Outsider, which I can see, you know, yeah. it's yeah. obviously both written by him, so that's why it would be. But there's like this really scary you know, self-demon type of atmosphere where, like, they kill your children. And it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I know he focuses a lot on that and also redemption. And so mm -hmm. there was, like, a, a small redemption arc. But at the end, you're like, really? Like, and then you live with this, like, trauma with you forever. And and uh, and Sophie Thatcher is in it, who's also in Yellow Jackets, which also ended, which I really enjoyed. Um, I think mm -hmm. Yellow Jackets is is like cool. I, I'm not sure I liked the second season as much as I did the first, but I will say is I really like the flashback scenes. It's very interesting. You know, it's like a a teenage girl Lord of the uh, Lord of the Flies, yeah. and so um, it's it's really it's really great. And then I watched the new Black Mirror episodes. Have you seen it yet? No. It was, and so a lot of people are very on and off about it. And it's funny because I saw this thing about how people, it's like Black Mirror is not only like, it's not against technology, it's against, you know, people <laughs> and their narcissism and et cetera. But uh, there was like two really good episodes. And I, I actually enjoyed like all of them. You know, the first one and for me, especially working in tech and, um, you know, giving away your data rights, which is like a pretty scary thing to think of. Um, at one point, like, I don't care. But in another point, like, you wonder what they're doing. Like, I've interviewed with some big data companies, and they literally have data on everyone in America. And the data laws are different between, you know, the United States and, and other countries. And so you wonder why. And it's because, you know, they want to, America wants to sell as much as they can to people and right. capitalism. But um, 
Black Mirror is really funny. Um, Salma Hayek is in the first episode. It's 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 pretty interesting. And then there was an episode Lock Henry, which is a more like true crime episode of where they're like um, investigating this area, and his girlfriend convinces him to investigate like a um, a, a murder, a series of murders where these girls were tur- tortured, and his dad was involved because he was a cop. And you know what happens after. And then there was an episode called Beyond the Sea, which was really good. Um, Josh Harnett was in it and Aaron Paul. And I I kind of miss Josh Harnett. Like, I hadn't really seen him in anything since Penny Dreadful. And mm-hmm. I think Penny Dreadful is, like, a really underrated series, um, especially, like, his part in it. I remember really liking him in it. Eva Green is amazing in it. But those two were probably my favorite episodes, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I've been watching, uh, The Sopranos, like I said, I'm on season three, so no one ruin it for me, please. And then I just, I started watching The Idol. I'm not sure if you've heard any of, any of the- Oh, I have no interest in that at all, really, but Okay, so here's, here's the thing, is I love Euphoria, Euphoria, I mean- Mm -hmm. The level of acting, especially from Zendaya, is, like, it's just wonderful. All the young actresses are, like, spectacular- um it's it's also poignant in addiction and like teen addiction and like etc so i i love euphoria this i guess like um the weekend had kind of more in a hand in and so here's the thing it's like i'm not upset by any of the vulgarity i don't find it to be vulgar at all um Mm -hmm. in that aspect they have like very um explicit sex scenes but none of them are particularly vulgar to me Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing I find exploitative in it is that they've taken real stories from people like there's a whole and this this might be a spoiler, but they've taken um, something that happened to Kesha, actually, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. there was a photo released of her with like uh, a very vulgar, I guess that's a vulgar photo. Um, It's vulgar because it got out, not because of like how it was taken, but you know, of her in a compromising position and it got out and like, so she kind of played on this like hypersexual type of thing in her career to combat like this type of stuff that happened to her. And uh, they do that in the show. And then you, you definitely find parallels with Britney Spears and stuff like that. And so that's the only thing that I felt like it was exploiting the real stories of these already stars. Um, And I felt like it was obviously without their permission but um, I would say that the able, oh, fuck, what's his real name? The weekend's like acting is really fucking bad. That's what I heard. Um, it's really bad. She's great, Lily Rose Depp. I, I honestly, I think, and it sucks because I hope like there, a lot of critics I feel like are judging on the wrong thing, and mm-hmm. so I honestly hope it doesn't affect her career. I I only hope that it like you know helps her because she I feel like she's a really good actress. I am interested to see how it ends. The his acting is so bad that it's like laughable. The dialogue is like so cringy and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but you also kind of feel like I'm like, did the weekend just watch a bunch of Ruffin films and like feel like they wanted to do a satirical like Hollywood, but like it's nowhere near as good as, as you know a anything. Film. Yeah, as anything that's Ruffin done, it's just it's ridiculous. I'm 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 hate watching it for sure, but you know it's. I, I don't find it particularly bad because of the reasons a lot of people think it is. Right. Um, and then I also just watched The Witcher. I like the past few days, I just like powered through five episodes. It's not great, but it's like it is like this <sighs> Henry Cavill is really good in it. Um, it is like a definite like fantasy fanboy type of series. And like sure. he's exiting, which I feel like is such a mistake, but not for him it's a mistake for the series like i feel like it's going to suffer you know yeah. when the next season comes out but they did split the episodes which i don't know why netflix does this maybe to just bother people but they released five episodes and then the next three episodes are going to be released later this month well, i feel um, like it's their way of getting away with saying oh it's one season it's like really because it feels like it's two you know yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly which is annoying but like you know what am i gonna do I- I guess it's good because I would have watched all three episodes today anyway. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, that's kind of like all I've been watching a lot of TV and series. And then one thing that I'm really excited for, which I hope it plays near me is, um, is 
Old Boy. Old Boy is going to be be released back in theaters, I think, in middle of August, and so I'm mm-hmm. really excited to see that. And then another thing I watched in the theater is um, it's been making the circuits, which is really great. It's this movie, um, Funeral Parade of Roses. I talked about oh. it before when we did our old, um, you know, our former Japanese um, series. It's like Toshio Matsumoto, mm-hmm. 1971 or 69. I can't remember. I think it's 69, actually. But it's, like, this beautiful uh, Oedipus Rex, like, queer Tokyo um, Mm -hmm. nightlife, like, type of movie. It's, like, spectacular. It's, like, you know, I talked about it before, but it's, like, that movie that I wish I saw when I was younger because I feel like it would have changed my entire life. Really? But, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, a masterpiece. It really is. And so there is a 4K restoration out. I do have it on DVD, but I really wanted to see it in the theater, which is, like, you know, just something special when you have mm-hmm. that experience. And so yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. So that's kind of all I've seen, but what have you been like? Yeah. I realized that you were right. I have watched a lot. I mean, a lot of it's not new, but I mean, I have been, um, you know, I mean, I had a lot of time on my hands. Um, so, well, first off, I mean, I, we talked about this before we started recording, but you and I both completely separate in separate cities saw the cure. The only reason why I'm bringing that up is because, um, I mean, aside from being a huge Cure fan, like one of the cool things that they did was because um, we did The Crow as a as an episode. Oh yeah, the, the show they they actually did their song from The Crow, "Burn," and like it was, you know, it was, oh, one cool. of those moments, it was one of those moments where like the moment it started playing or they started getting into it, I was like, I kind of like was whisked away to like my my uh, adolescence, and I was just like completely vibing on it. It was awesome. Um, Oh yeah, I, I shut up. I shut a fucking tear. I don't even care. I was. Oh like... no, I got yeah. I got really into it. Like it was like I was, I was a yeah. I I popped pretty big. Um, and um, so I did that, and it was also just an amazing show. And and you know, if you had gotten a chance to see them on this tour, it's been it's been really an amazing uh, really an amazing night because they do like you know like I was saying we were talking about like they did like ten um. They do like 10, 15 songs, then a 10 song encore, and then a five song second co- encore. And it's like, yep, the first 15 songs would have been enough for like a show. You know, I'm not complaining. I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't ever, never was I like, oh, I just want this to be over. I was like, this is fucking great, you know? Yeah. Um, And I was like, they could have stopped right here and I would have been, I would have walked home satisfied. It's, it's, you know, but so the fact that they kept going is pretty amazing. Um, But then, uh, I watched, oh, I watched this awful movie. It was a friend's birthday, and he had, <laughs> all he wanted to do was to go see um, this movie, Giant Shark. And it was Tommy Wiseau's new movie. Oh, no, why? I, listen, I hate him. I hate the room. I hate that people think it's funny. I despise no one but that man. I honestly hope he dies. Um, I... <laughs> was, well, Sorry. The problem, the problem with, with this movie, I mean, because I do find the room to be hilarious, but like the thing about, but. I also don't. I think it's it's time has passed. I think it's we can abusive. Like, oh, I just. I I, but I also think we can just we can let it go. Like you know, it's yeah, like that. The time go. for the room is 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 over. You know, like let's let it go. But um, the problem with this one is with the room. I think part of the reason why it's it's it is funny is because it's somebody really trying really hard who just doesn't have any idea what they're doing. And for this new movie, Giant Shark or whatever the fuck it was called, like it's oh now you're 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 like you're making bad films on purpose and because you're yeah. like oh well we can get away you know we can get away with it because whatever and it's like no it, it's you can't it, it was just a it was just a bad laborious film and so there was a few parts that i laughed like really hard out loud because somebody would like say a line and it wasn't even like i was like they're not acting right there they're like genuinely confused with what the fuck's going on and it would made me laugh because i was like that was the best acting in the fucking movie but um but um, but, uh, so I saw that and I was, I was like, God damn it. Like, um, and you know, there's like a bunch of young college kids out there, like who've just discovered, you know, the room and they're like, you know, they're super jazz and they're like during the Q and a, which I was like, why the fuck are we even having a Q and a, and, um, you know, they're like, Oh, Tommy, you know, big fan, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, are you like, are you really a big fucking fan of this guy? You know, like he's just, anyway, um, I saw that, um, my friend, CJ and I watched um, a movie called. I've been wanting. This was on my list for for movies to watch for a while. It was called Mahakal, and okay. it is a Bollywood uh, ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street. <clears throat> oh, sick! And it is 
I mean, it was wonderful in 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 all the all the ways you know that I, I'm sure Giant Shark wanted to be. In the sense that, like, it's first off, it's a two hour and twenty minute movie. We're like, this is a fucking length of a Marvel film these days, you know, or, or um, the original Nightmare on Elm Street's ninety minutes at best, right? So think take that for what it's worth. But also, um, you know, there's there's definitely moments. I mean, it's not an entire. I mean. The plot isn't entirely identical, but there's they use they, they literally lift scenes from the original Nightmare on Elm Street and then recreate them. Mm-hmm. And then at one point they just you know they just play the music. Like the, they, so they play the music from Nightmare on Elm Street one, but they change like it's almost like a vanilla icing where they just change like a, a key and or a, a note, and then it's like oh it's now it's a kind of a different song, but it's clearly the Nightmare on Elm Street theme. But then at one point they just flat out use the music from Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Like, not change it. They just lifted the soundtrack, and I was cracking up, and I was like, I don't understand. Like, I know, like, in Italy, you used to do this all the time, too, where they would just shamelessly rip off other movies, but, like, how is this movie not a loss? Like, just not a giant lawsuit. I'm like, New Line could have made fucking bank if, you know, off of this movie that they had tried, but... Uh, and then it's a Bollywood film, so, like, yeah. halfway, like, like th- at least three or four singing. times during the proceedings, mm-hmm. they start singing, and um, it was hilarious. We had, it was a fun time. Uh, we watched that, and then um, I uh, I got this box set. It was a um, Arrow video. We did a box set of like Empire Films. Empire Films is the company that like Charles Band ran before Full Moon Features. Um, and it was like Terror Vision, which is a movie we covered. That was an Empire film reanimator and another Empire film. So this box set had Dungeon Master, um, which also features the band Wasp. Um, <laughs> Dolls by Stuart Gordon, um, which I mean, I feel like everybody uh, our age at least grew up with, like, at least recognizes the video cover of like the the doll with the no eyes holding on, you know. The, yeah. Um, and then a movie called Cellar Dweller, and um, a movie called Robot Jocks, which I had never seen before. I always wanted to. Also directed by Stuart Gordon, who did Reanimator and Dolls. Um, Robot Jocks is basically like, you know. A giant robots fighting each other um or you know and it's kind of like it's like it's 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 what pacific rim is um is what they really wanted to make but they you know robot jocks was made in like 89 90 you know so they didn't yeah. have the money but like when you watch pacific rim you're like ah this is clearly the movie they wanted to make like 10 15 20 years ago but they just they couldn't afford it um but it's it was, it's entertaining um I watched that. I also got this other box set. It was like on clearance. Another Arrow one they put out called From the Wilds of Wisconsin. It's about this. It's basically a bunch of films by this director named Bill Rabane. And um, he, I, so far I've watched one of them. It was called Monster A Go Go. It was a movie that he shot like 75% of. And then her, he didn't have enough money to complete it. So Herschel Gordon Lewis bought it and then shot the other 25% and repackaged it as a movie called Monster A Go Go. And it's pretty ludicrous. It's a lot of fun. Um, so I watched those. And then. I um my wife and I we were like we, were, we had a lot of time at home so we were watching we ended up watching somebody somewhere on HBO. Mm. Have you seen that? Is it a series or Yes, it's a series. Bridget Everett um she's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um it's a show about this woman who um she's you know it takes place in a town called a, a place called Manhattan, Kansas, which is where Elvira is from no, uh, nonetheless. And um it's a small, you know, small town. And she plays this woman who has been looking after her now dead sister, um, who died of cancer. Um, and she ends up befriending this guy that she works with, uh, you know. Oh, I I can see it now. I did. I haven't watched it, but now I remember. It's what fucking it's- wonderful. Like you know, it's like I mean, I I it's funny. I definitely cried a bunch, you know, and like, and then there was like, you know, we got through the second season. And I was like, and we, my wife, for some other reason, thought it was that was that it got canceled and then literally like the day after we finished the second season there was an announcement that hbo had picked up the third season i was like oh thank god because it couldn't cost them that much money you know especially compared to like you know it's it's a very you know it's a pretty modestly budget you know show that takes place in a small kansas town and just like it's really good and i really recommend it to to everybody um bridget everett's hilarious She, she was on um Lady Dynamite, uh, the Maria Bamford show. She's uh, mm-hmm. uh, Amy Schumer had her uh, featured a few times on her show. 
um, doing stand-up and then being in sketches. You, when you see her, you go, oh, I know who she is. And yeah, she's, I feel like I've great. seen her at the comedy store or something like that before. She's fucking fantastic. And like, so, and the show's apparently based like on a lot of her life, so it's like, it's it's really good. Um, and I really dig it, and I'm, I feel bad that I can't remember the, the actor's name, the, like, the one who plays her like best friend. I can see his face, which like well, always, he, he kind of weirds me out a little bit, but... He's in, he's in two 30 Rock episodes, and I always like, you know, remembered those, and he's he's very funny, and like, it's a really great show. Um, I feel like that's it for all the you know the shows and the and the te- you know movies I've watched. And like I said, a lot of older stuff. Um, but then I watched. I haven't really been watching movies. It's really I haven't gone to the movies. I wanted to go. I might be Nothing going to see Indiana. Been out personally, like, and we talked about how we both wanted to see Indiana Jones, which I do yeah. feel like will be a disappointment, but maybe not as yeah. much as a disappointment as Crystal Skull, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing is really calling to me, which is like really sad because I feel like it's summertime and like this is the time. But well, like, I, I want to see the I wanted to see the Flash for Michael Keaton, you know. Um, I heard and that's, even that is not good. Oh, I have I've heard the I've heard everybody I've heard from said if you're there to go see it for Michael Keaton, then you'll be happy because you know it's great. But yeah, you know, um, I also want to see Asteroid City. I heard that was actually pretty good. I have um, a thing. Okay, here's the thing: is I don't really ever want to see a Wes Anderson film. I do like them. I like Rushmore is fantastic. The Royal Tenenbaums, love it. Um, but there's something about him that I find, uh, I don't know. I just yes, yeah. it, like totally insufferable. Well, it's funny because like I feel like you can divide his career by into two stages. It's really weird. Like there's Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, yes. Royal Tenenbaums, and Life Aquatic, and then there's and then maybe Fantastic Mr. Fox, and then everything after that. Um, I love that first half of his career. Like, I loved Life Aquatic, man. That movie hit me very hard. And I love Royal Tenenbaums. I really do. I actually love all four of those early films. Yeah. Life Aquatic, though, hit me in a weird way that I wasn't, I didn't see coming. Um, whereas, like, you know, and Fantastic Mr. Fox is, is fun, you know. But, like, um, I did not, I, I remember going to see Grand Budapest. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it came out my wife it was actually one of my, my wife and I was one of our first dates and I remember just I was so excited I was like this movie's gonna be fantastic and I just did not enjoy it at all I have heard though Asteroid City is actually really good um so I do want to see that I didn't really see the French I didn't see French Dispatch because I'm just like again I'm like I well either. I feel like at this point every Wes Anderson film feels like the same fucking movie yes um but you know, that being said, I heard Asteroid City is actually pretty good. And then I want to see Oppenheimer, which is not out yet. And I do, I I have no shame in saying that I really want to see Barbie. I think it looks um, fantastic. I do not want to see Barbie at all. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the color scheme. Maybe it's Greta Gerwig. Um, I, I don't particularly love her, to be honest, which I feel like I've feel like people will chastise me for but i just don't No, i mean i um, i liked ladybird but i didn't i wasn't like i didn't i didn't love it but, but the thing is i think what i'm excited the reason why i'm excited about her doing this is like if you were to tell me they were making a fucking barbie film she's not the person i thought that they would they would cat- hire to do it <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like oh that's fucking interesting just, you know i also like uh i like Mar- margot robbie in certain things but i don't think that she's necessarily like a great actress and maybe it's like the harley quinn thing i don't really know but the gauze what is it ryan gosling oh yeah i don't i mean (laughs) it's very strange i feel like he looks very robotic like he might as well be in drive in barbie you know what i mean like i don't don't know know. that that doesn't sound you're not you're not i'm totally not... not into i'm just not into it like i'll probably end up watching it when it comes to streaming but like i have no want to like go to the theater and watch this movie i will see timer though um cillian murphy um is that his name yeah killian Uh, killian thank you um irish right uh he is a an interesting actor and like you know you can say a lot about christopher nolan but this is a very interesting character that he's playing you know you know it's funny because i i I don't you know i just realized another movie i I watched i rewatched my buddy rc was you know he you know was screening movies at his place he's you know outside um by his pool and everything like that and he was screening he was like oh come over we're gonna watch the prestige and i was like i really I love the prestige see i didn't i didn't when i first really? saw it i i saw it in the theater and hey look listen if you really don't want to get spoiled you know by uh, any spoilers of the prestige pause it or skip like <laughs> two minutes right because i saw that movie in the theater and i remember my buddy and i when we saw it in the theater i leaned over to him and i was like 
am I like halfway through the movie? I'm like, am I fucking crazy? Or is there two Christian Bales in this movie? And he's like, no, I saw that too. I just thought it was so obvious that there's going to be something else. Like, yeah, me too. Okay, great. So we're both on the same page. There's two Christian Bales and there's going to be a bigger twist because that, that's the whole point. They're all talking about in the whole film. They're like, this is the, this is what you're focusing on. And then this is the yeah. misdirection. And then there's the, and then there's the, the reveal. And so we were like, okay, great. And then the big reveal was, no, Nikola Tesla can actually do magic. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, so angry. I walked out the movie. I was like, fuck this what? movie. Fuck this really? guy. And then I rewatched it like two weeks ago. And I was yeah. like, and knowing what I knew, I was, I was able to like, just kind of like let this story happen. And I was like, I, I found myself really enjoying it more. I was like, cause you know, obviously the movie's not about any of the twists. It's about like this obsession that consumes yes. both of them. Like, and you know, Hugh Jackman is fucking fantastic in it. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for how fantastic he is. Whereas like Christian Bale gets all a lot of the credit because he had yeah. just done Batman with, with Batman Begins and it was right before Dark Knight. And like, you know, it was people were like, oh, Christian Bale and the Prestige. And there's two of them. And I'm like, I don't fucking care about the two <laughs> Christian Bales. It's that I find really frustrating. Because also, but I did, I will say this. I will fucking say this about the movie that I didn't appreciate the first time I saw it is in the very beginning when Hugh Jackman's trying to figure out how Christian Bale does the trick, Michael Caine literally says he's using a double. And it's like, he literally yeah. tells you what, the, the, you know, and like, like the audience, like myself and Hugh Jackman's character, they're like, no, it can't be that simple. You know? So in fairness, they, I, I think rewatching it and catching those little moments being like, fuck man, they're, they're calling me out right now saying, yeah, obviously it's, that's what it is. And you want it to be something more, you know? And it's like, yep. That, I it is like no definitely and i do feel like i like that he didn't focus on the obvious which is you know the magic or you know a, a scientific experiment like tesla can make clones like it's one of those things that's like i don't know if you've ever seen a tesla coil there's actually one mm -hmm. at the griffith um i, I which saw is, it a few weeks ago yes it's amazing and i've seen it turned on which is like the coolest yeah. fucking thing i i like i think i like knocked over a bunch of children because they were like who wants to turn on the tesla coil and i was like me i want to and i'm like pushing over little kids so i could try to turn this thing on but i eventually let a little kid turn the switch but oh, it does like lead to like a very imaginative part of that you're like is that possible and plus bowie plays tesla which is cool but I know, it is, you and that is think cool. about it more like how is that possible could it be possible is he like taking these like different people from like multi-universes like it just kind of stays in your mind is that piece even though it's not the focus of the film at all which i really like about nolan uh and i i also liked about his batman movies that, that there's a level of mystique that he completely avoids um yeah. which is more he makes it more literal which is very interesting to me um and you know you could say a lot about nolan but um i, I am really excited to to see oppenheimer i am too and that's 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 the ultimate takeaway is that like i i, I have a love hate thing for nolan but yeah i really want to see oppenheimer and i again you know for those out there like i Rewatching the prestige i came to a new level of appreciation i actually found it to be quite good it just seeing it in the theater when it you know when it came out and just being like you know just kind of like the sixth sense where i was like i had to fucking tell somebody that i i you know it's that ego thing where it's like no i gotta tell you because if i say it at the end of the movie after the movie's over it's like yeah i knew it the whole time people are like, yeah, you're full of shit <laughs> but i so, i mean that's the point of magic it's not magic it's always been real you know what i mean it's yeah. an illusion but like i you know i fucking love magic every year for my birthday that i lived in la i went to the magic castle so yeah. you know i have a very high appreciation but yeah <laughs> that's that's interesting that you rewatched it yep it I'm surprised you gave it another choice. Well, it was another chance. I, just, I, mean. I wanted to get out of the, the apartment, and like I was just like, maybe we'll stop by before, and we'll we'll you know we'll, we'll hang out before the movie, and then you know I'll fucking duck out, and then like we just ended up staying, and I was like, God, I was like, you know, I still think I will say this to this day, Hugh Jackman, one of the best fucking criers in the fucking business, man. That guy, the way that guy can desperately tries to hold back tears, fucking yeah. is amazing. Um, if you haven't seen The Fountain. Go see I, the fountain. That's I, one of my favorite Aronofsky yeah, films. It's, and it's also just Hugh Jackman at his best trying not to cry throughout the entire movie. And it is <laughs> it is awesome. Um and then I watched the movie that you picked, um, for and it's a Spain, correct? Yes, which I know the last movie we did was also Spain, but I had been wanting to watch this for a while. 
And it's funny because I had a whole conversation about how having a podcast is really helpful because it gets me out of my comfort movies, you know, like, yeah. oh, I'll just watch Buffy again for the 50th time. But like it gives me an intent to watch new things that maybe I wouldn't normally. But this one has been on my list for a long time. Me too. It was it screened in L.A. at uh, Wayne Oh, Analog. really? Yeah. There's a video store here in Echo Park now. Um, they literally sell oh. videos and they have a screening room and they did a uh, screening of this. And I remember hearing about it then and being like, Oh, I want to check that out, and then I didn't. Um, so it was, you know, I was glad that you, you, you picked it. Yeah. Do you want to give the synopsis? Yeah. So the movie is. I'm going to fuck this up. Arabato. <laughs> yeah, I believe. Arabato. It's uh, it's Spanish for um, rapture, I believe. Yeah. Am I correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's 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 a little weird because it's not quite a. It is a horror film, but it's not quite a horror film. It's about this this filmmaker who's lost his love of cinema and he's a heroin addict and he has like this like crazy relationship with his on and on and off again girlfriend who's now also a heroin addict and he gets he receives a a reel of film and a cassette tape from this guy that he's only met twice in his life uh who just like really he was really taken by the first time he met him and um the guy you know who sends him the tape and and the reel he basically like had this like he would shoot these like um time-lapse films and that would like kind of drive him into like this weird like frenzy um and he was also a heroin addict or a drug addict and then the whole story is basically kind of like weird flashbacks of like what happened to this guy so like the you know he's there the director and his girlfriend are watching this guy's film and or this reel that he sent them and they're listening to his audio tape about like kind of explaining like his journey to like kind of record life and and then he starts becoming haunted by this like red frame that keeps like he starts filming himself time lapse like sleeping and when he does there's like a red frame that like will pop up and then eventually the red frame keeps growing and growing and um and it's weird is that when he's not filming himself sleeping he's um he's he's like he's only experiencing like horrible withdrawal symptoms but when he does film himself sleeping and the red frame keeps growing he wakes up feeling completely refreshed and it's weird it is a it's weird a weird fucking... yeah i would say definitely weird is because mm-hmm. and i don't quite know what to think of it like i really liked it but it is very strange. There's like certain elements that are very nightmarish, you know, and, and a dreamscape and you're trying to figure out, you know, like what exactly is going on. And there's a point where, you know, the character Jose is like, did you drug me before? Like, did you put anything in my drink? Cause it's trying to like, uh, make sense of what's going on. And then it is, and I've seen this in, in some, you know, reviews where it is sort of vampiric in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like soul sucking. I think his character, um, Pedro is really funny in a, in a certain way. Like when he first meets him, he's watching TV and in the dark spots, he can see the reflection of Pedro watching him, which is really interesting. And he even says like, I really wanted something to happen. You know, like it's, it's very interesting. And maybe it's like also about, um, obsession, but also like finding passion and like, you know, uh, it's it's very i would say it's very interesting it is very strange it is type it is kind of scary but not in any traditional like real horror sense it's more like psychological yeah um there are like really cool parts to it i will say and really yeah i mean it's a it's to me it's a horror film about heroin and film because you know what i mean and like um and, and you're right, like, it is very, you know, there is a vampi- vampiric aspect to it. And then they allude to that very beginning when, like, the when when he's when the director is, like, going, you know, he's he's editing his newest film. And, you know, there's the last shot is, like, of a, a woman as a vampire, like, and it ends with her looking at the, the camera. And the editor's like, no, we can't have her. We can't cut. We can't end it on that because she's looking right at the camera. And the director's like, do it. And he actually has my one of my favorite lines, which is, fade to black no regrets and i was like yeah it's fucking rad <laughs> um but uh but it, so there is a vampire element that they you know and uh vampiric element to it because like you know the characters are leeching off each other you know and they're yeah. they're they're wrecking each other and they're um 
just by like sharing their passions, whether it's film or heroin or both. Um, and it's, it's really, I, I mean, to be honest, this was one of those movies that within the first like few moments of the movie, movie, I was like, I know I'm going to love this movie. Like, yeah. I, I'm already like hooked, you know, I'm already into it, you know? Um, it was directed by, and again, I'm going to fuck this up. Ivan Zulueta. Yes. He would designed, he, this is the only film he, feature film he's ever done. Which is kind of sad to think about because he had a bunch of shorts, but like, I feel like, yeah. and you know, it's traditional with these type of films that first they're revered and you know what I mean? Or like they're complained about and found silly and then all of a sudden they become a cult film. And so sure. I hope he wasn't shamed out of making more film. Well, or maybe he just, I... what were you going to say? From what I read, he had uh, it was heroin. He had to take a break oh. from yeah. Well, that makes he sense. To, yeah, but um, because I mean, he was a heroin actor. It informed his, it informed this film. You know, it's like it's it's right down from like the, the the plot, but also the structure and the way it feels and everything like that. Um, so he, but he was also a designer and he designed a lot of Almaldivar's first, like posters and stuff like that. Um. Which is funny because the Almodovar connection to this movie is actually fucking insane. Like, um, yeah. So like Cecilia Roth. Yeah. She's the lead actress in it. She's like the girlfriend. She was in, you know. Oh, a bunch of these films. Yeah, Labyrinths of Passion, Dark Habits. What have I done to deserve this? Um, Esuibio. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible you should know this come he, on well He's i a... you know he does she's in a number of his movies which is cool but he also mm. um hired him to dub over and, and it's this is like the it's weird thing in the, it's awesome it's yeah. so strange to me that he did that and now i'm like really curious i'm like why like what was wrong with her voice was it so masculine that he had to like actually have him be the feminine voice of it i'm like so for some reason, this like little tidbit like really confuses me, and I find it really interesting. <laughs> so during what Jess is explaining, is during the flashback, or when we're kind of following the what was the character's name? Pedro. Um, Pedro. When we're following Pedro's like you know journey, the film stuff, and everything, you we also get like him talking about like now. I don't know if they're just if he's killing people or if he's beating or if he's like they're robbing them or not. But he's basically he's he's spending a lot of time with this woman that he used to know. And her, but she's, and she's definitely a woman, but she's voiced by Almodovar. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is that there's no, I don't, it, it, there's nothing feminine about his dubbing. Well, it's yeah. very much, it's, but I'm telling you, I love that entire sequence. I was like, this is so fucking weird and jarring. And uh, visually, I loved it. Like, like the look, like the, like there's a, there's a scene where they lure this guy in. Like up, you know, up these like through an elevator and up these stairs, or anything. And the next thing you know, you see the guy running down. He's been like attacked and everything like that. And like, there's just something the way like that whole s- sequence is shot, where I'm just like, this is a completely different movie. This is like a weird vampire so- film, you know? Yeah, that part, that sequence is so interesting. You know, like they go to a club and he's like doing poppers, and then like, yeah, you know, yeah. um, it's and then he's like running down the stairs covered in blood, and like, yeah. It's just so strange. There's like a lot of fluid sexuality in this, you know, yeah, like people like are fucking it, everybody. Yeah, you kind of sense like a weird um, sexual tension between Jose and Pedro too sometimes, and well, it's like there's it's, even a moment where we're like, I'm pretty sure they just did it, you know? Like, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, there are even parts like I, I get like the whole thing too is like Pedro's obsession with like seeing things through an eye of the lens, which I think is also an allegory for drug use, you know, like yeah. you're not passionate about something unless you're, you know, on heroin or, or doing something else, you know, and like they also use film as that, you know, like yeah. he can't seem to do anything without filming it and then looking, relooking at it through a different lens. It's, it's very bizarre, but for some reason it kind of made sense, you know, through the, yeah. through the film. There's a great sequence where, like, you know, um, they go to see Pedro and, and you know, Anna's they give her heroin and she's like, but he's like, Pedro's trying to find something that's like, what can, what will you fixate on for hours and to like and find like, you know, real, you know, ecstasy. And so he, he pulls up this like Betty Boop doll that and he puts it just sits it down on like top of this like dresser and she just is staring at it for hours just fucked up and like and then later she's explaining she's like it's weird i had the same exact doll with the same exact tear in it like everything it was just it's so and it's like little moments like that which are like really bizarre and mm-hmm. like don't really get much explanation but they're just you just somewhere inside like 
you click and you go, yep, yeah, I, I don't know how I get it. And I don't know what exactly I'm getting, but I feel a sense of I'm, I'm getting this. Um, and I really, I really, really dug this movie. I mean, like, this is definitely going to be one of those movies. I think Vinegar Syndrome did a release of it. That's what I said to you in That's the cool. text message. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm probably going to pick this up. I can't, I don't know how often I'm going to watch it. Um, not that it's like particularly like unpleasant to watch. It's just, you know, it's a, it, the nature of it is just so bizarre. It was also really inspiring. Like, again, watching this movie just made me like fall in love with film again and be like, yeah. you know, this is, these are the type of films that I wanted to make, you know, like um, structurally and, you know, narrative wise, it's just really cool. Um, but yeah. And then Will Moore, who is, plays um, Pedro, he was in another El Maldivar film called Dark Habits. And, um, and then he was also in a movie called The Hit by Stephen Frears. Uh, yeah. Which is, if you haven't seen it, it's on Criterion. Fucking check it out. I, I saw this movie like five, six years ago, and I fell madly in love with it. Terrence Stamp, um, John Hurt, Tim Roth, um, well, Will Moore. Um, and then all three of the elite actors were in a film called Martin. That was a Spanish film in the Martin, late 90s. Yeah. Martin, yeah. That's what I was say. I was like, do I say Martin and mispronounce it and look like an idiot? And then you corrected me. Thank you. Um, but uh, yes, uh, they all three of them showed up in that movie. And it's like really weird because like, you know, there's there's tons of Spanish actors out there. It's just weird. They all kind of group together. and It is very cool. It's like there's a lot of interesting like stills in this, I will say. Like, you know, the scene of him perched on top of like yeah. the I don't even know like a bureau I'm not really sure what it is uh just watching him sleep which is like really fucking funny and he plays like with the light you know so like there's a big bright light on him that seems very jarring you know when you first open your eyes and like this creature that's technically in the dark but has a very bright aura around him it's it's very strange and then yeah. one of my favorite lines from the film was where he was talking about he's like life is one big wank without coming yeah and i it like killed me i need to like have that tattooed on my soul you know like it was it was but, really good yeah and you know you saying that just also reminded me that like yeah they really i mean this is in a very 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 strange abstract way you're right this is a vampire film yeah like pedro even references like he even makes comments that like he's lived for like centuries, centuries? you know he's like yeah, yeah. and it's like <clears throat> and you know you're not we're not we're not taking him literally because you know we're not um because the nature of the character is just so off you know he's so eccentric and everything but then you like then when you think back on it you think about like yeah him perched at you know watching him sleep you know there's that image there there's the fact that like pedro lives with his his aunt and cousin or his mother and cousin. I can't remember who, like, his, what the connection his is. aunt and cousin, I think. No, no, no it's, it's, it's his mother, his mother and yeah. it's Marta's aunt, yeah. And, like, the mom is clearly, like, she's out to fucking lunch, you know? But there's also a great moment where she's, they're watching this um, uh, Mae West film. Yeah. And she's, like, she's insisting that she had seen it in color and that it was different. And I love that moment of like that art. You're like, no, no, I've seen this movie before, but it's di- it was different than this, you know. And it's just some it's a really nice thing about film, you know, about how like and how it affects our memory and how we imagine we we saw things a certain yeah. way. But you know, I I really cannot stress how much I loved this movie. I really enjoyed it. It's out of out of uh, the movies we've done post our our first hundred. This is probably my favorite one that I'd never seen before. Um, it really just it it sunk its, its hook and hooks in me really uh really hard yeah. I really dug it. I I feel the same, and so like sometimes we disagree and sometimes we agree, but I definitely really enjoyed it. It is very strange. I'm gonna probably think about it like all day because it mm. it doesn't make sense, but it does, you know. And mm-hmm. so there's like certain parts that I really like, and some that I'm like thinking about, and I'm like, what does that mean, you know? Also, yeah. the aunt and the cousin looks so much alike that i was like i was sure they were related in real life which they're not but <laughs> it's right. just all very strange and her, even marta's character is like really strange and like way upbeat like maybe she's not on drugs like the rest of the people like i don't know but she mm-hmm. was doing blow like i it's just really very strange movie that i i happen to really enjoy yeah and and just heads up i mean like it's not a horror film in a traditional sense no it's it it has psychological nightmarish elements but it's not scary in that realm it's horror adjacent for sure yeah yeah that's good (laughs) 
it uses enough hard, you know, like like you said, and then as we're we've been talking about it, it really like there is that vampiric thread Eerie, that can push it. Yeah. yeah. Creepy. And it, but in like a very non obvious way, you know, that's really, really quite something. I'm I'm really uh I'm really taken with this movie. Yeah, I'm sad that this guy like didn't do more, but he didn't you know, and I guess like it, it's either that or die, you know, from a heroin overdose, like what's her name and, from Miss Forty Five? Yeah, and his his I mean apparently you know his posters for all of our stuff is put oh Bunyal and um are are, are 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 iconic you know like they're very like Hitchcock he, you know, yeah yeah he's uh you know he he did a lot of uh a lot of great graphic design stuff and everything but yeah this was his only film like some investor like was like yeah I'll 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 give you money to make a movie and this is the movie he made and and surprisingly or not surprisingly uh yeah. He, this is the only movie he made because like, you know, w- how do you market this? You know, like what, I mean, here's things. Vinegar syndrome did a really great trailer or somebody did a really great trailer for the restoration of this movie that goes, yeah, that's how you market it. But how do you market it in like 1979, 1980? Yeah. Like, it's real, you know, especially when audiences are not, I, I, to this day, like, um, you know, it's amazing that Eraserhead did so well in, in, in the seventies, you know, when, when David Lynch, you know, started because like the, you've got the Baron, uh, Ben Barinholtz, who, who basically the father of midnight cinema, the one who, who kind of invented the idea of like, no, I'm only going to show this movie at midnight. The only time you can see this movie yeah. <laughs> is at midnight. Like, I mean, talk about like first run films, you know, not like older films like Reefer Madness, but he was like, no, you want to see this movie that just came out, Pink Flamingos? You can only see it at midnight. Ben Barinholtz basically told David Lynch, he's like, look, I'm not going to advertise this movie. And there's going to be lines around the block for, you know, within a month. And there was. And eventually they did cut a trailer for it, you know, too. And you're like, yep, I would have no idea what the fuck I'm getting into watching those trailers, you know. I mean, one mm-hmm. of the trailers is David Lynch sitting with a bunch of Woody Woodpecker dolls talking about Razorhead. He's That's so, a trailer. He's it's so wonderful. Strange. It's fantastic. Yeah. But, like, but it's like there's those movies that, like, they, they managed to break out. Like, you know, again, Yudorowsky, he was able to break out because of the whole midnight movie thing because it became there was this like kind of in america there was this whole like you know what's this movie that i'm hearing about and why can i only see it at midnight what Mm -hmm. is what's going on unfortunately this movie didn't have that type of marketing so it's just like it's you know he made he was one and done you know he got kind of like it was like yeah this is a good movie but what the fuck you know yeah um and it's a shame because i I wish there was more movies like this now you know same um instead you know we have to go see you know, all these Marvel films in the theater. This is this is where my bitterness towards Marvel comes from. It's not like I would have no problem with these Marvel films if movies like, you know, Arabato got a chance now, you know? Yeah. Uh, people can make movies like this now and get a and get a theatrical release. But, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, we we really liked it. It's on Amazon if you feel like renting it. Um it's also available in different D V D formats. So yeah. please yeah. check it out. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.